Hi, you're listening to Think Property Club. This is where we talk to people who are in the property game, especially in the property development game, one of my love and passions. And today I'm talking to a fellow student, but now an experienced developer, which is what normally happens, which is kind of the reason that I love teaching people so that I can hang out with more people like me. Kind of a selfish thing, isn't it, Grant? <laughs> I totally so get hi. it. Yep. <laughs> you get it? Good. Yeah. Yep. So um, my name is Jason John Byron. I've got Grant. Iverson, what what is the name? What's one you got to go on? Iverson is how it's uh, pronounced down here in Sydney. Tell us straight up about the name, the surname. Where's the background? It's actually Danish. Uh, So my dad was a Dane, and um, yeah, it's uh, a a very family tradition. So there's kind of that background in in Viking kind of in me. So I kind of feel that come out sometimes. And as a property developer now, you kind of got to get that inner Viking out from time to time and uh, charge on through. Great. Okay. So we're talking to the Dane today. <laughs> okay. So what we're going to do today, um, if you want to flick through the slides for me, this is Woodstone, right? As yep. you can see there. Um, and Woodstone is your development company. So straight off first, I mean, do you want to start telling people about, well, let's go right back to your childhood and how you got into it. Cause I think that's a really interesting story. I grew up in Sydney as well. And I grew up in the Northern beaches around Monavale. Whereabouts okay. did you grow up? Grew up out in uh, a suburb called Castle Hill, which was out kind of back in those days. It was out in the sticks, you know, and I think uh, my very first memory of property development was, you know, when I was the age of 10, my mum and dad bought a, a block of land and they built a house on there and they kind of project managed it themselves, you know, and, and back in those days that was a big thing. And I remember Saturday mornings we used to go down to the, the, the site and you know, get excited. We just stand there and in a week would have gone by and, you know, all of a sudden there was a slab that's gone down and then the next week, you know, you've got the frame up. And as a, as a kid, you know, I remember my friends used to play on the swings, but my joy for the week was climbing up onto the top floor. And back in those days, our H&S was, was there was never a, a fence around a site. So you were climbing in and out and you know, then all of a sudden the roof went on and you could get up and we'd sit up on the roof and look out and it, there was a pond. Yes, back I remember those it. days where we well, we had a tiled roof. I don't know what your roof was. Yeah. But we used to just climb up. It was just fun one day when you were bored. You're like, I'm going to look at that roof up there. I'm going to actually get a ladder, whatever yeah. I can, climb up that tree and I'm just going to sit on the roof for a couple of hours. Yeah, totally. And it was, it was the thing, you know, like instead of uh, – you know, nowadays just being inside, you, you you get out into the development sites and, you know, then you put a pool in and then you're in and out of the pool and, you know, I, I can't believe, you know, you get through your childhood and, and relatively unscathed. But I think that's where the, the, the lust, I guess, for property development came. You know, I remember those days. It was just great days and, you know, watching things grow out of nothing. It was, it was fantastic. And what did your dad do? Dad used to work in a research farm. He was a um, worked for a company called Pfizer, and um, he worked out at a, at a research farm. and And Mum was a teacher, so for for both of them, it was a massive um, gamble for them to kind of take a, a journey. And I think that's probably where I've I've followed that is that you know I saw them get in, and and I remember my my parents at their most proudest moment when they were actually looking at these developments or these properties that they were they were building. And they'd stand there and they, you know, they'd have these massive smiles on their face, you know, and then dad'd go to work on a Monday and you know, I've got to go to work. But come Saturday, we'd be off to the house to have a look at how it's going, you know. And my mum even now at you know almost 80 still, you know, loves to renovate a house and you know, redo the yeah. house. And every every season there's a different 
you know, pillow on the on the uh, the lounge, and she just loves it, you know. And and that's when that's you see good. people, you just know they're in their element. So you um, grew up Castle Hill. Did you go to school the whole time there, or did you stay in there, or did you migrate yeah, through the suburbs? Yeah, one in me. So you know, I went through Castle Hill High, and um, you know, the normal kid, kind of from a normal family, you know, and then uh, from there got into hospitality. So uh, I'm a got a hospitality background, which is. Uh, uh, something that I really loved, um, but I think that 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 lust for property development always came back to me. I think when I was working mm. in hospitality, um, I think some of my most proudest moments were a lot of the hotels I worked in were older hotels, and we used to um, go in and uh, renovate these hotels and do significant renovations. And you know, I remember you saying in a lot of your um, uh, seminars, it's your most favourite. Uh, part of the development is the is the demo stage, you know. So we'd oh, go into yeah. these places and we'd rip things out, and you know, it, it would just be an amazing kind of event to to watch this thing grow and evolve and and go to council and get DAs and approvals, and then you know, looking at it at the at the end and and people coming in and just saying, "Wow, what an amazing creation you guys have done." So I think that's kind of what kept me that that sort of foot in the door, I suppose, for development and, and lust for development, and I think. You know, as I moved forward, um, just always had it in me. You know, I just didn't get a chance to get it out. And I think now I'm I'm at that point. Now I'm living the dream and being able to to do the property development side of things, which is uh, yeah. which is great. And it, I find that life is sometimes like that. You go in one direction, you always want to do something else, but you just didn't quite have the right person to connect with. Yes. And I'm I'm your coach, but. This, you know, I had a coach as well before me that kind of came into my life and I was like, okay, you know, so it's like my whole thing about life is it's not about, you know, what education you had or where you're at. It's, it's who's the person that can help you because that's what yes. we're here to do, help people, right? And you've, you've even got that in what you do now also, you know, on the yeah. side. So do you want to flick through to the next slide? Yeah. Um, so, so tell us about this, yeah? Yeah, so um, 20 years in hospitality and management. So we went... Um, my last probably 10 years was more of at a, an executive level and we'd go in and we'd, you know, we'd buy these assets. I'd work for a hotel group, we'd buy these assets and then we'd go and, and renovate them. But previous to that, uh, I had 10 years um, in the Ming Fiddler, which is out at Rouse Hill. So um, some some people would know, you know, that this big, massive pub in the middle of Rouse, Rouse Hill and that, and that was where I kind of transitioned from, you know, working behind the bar and then in, got into management. So... Um, I was there for 10 years and then from there just got um, had enough, you know, the 10, 20 years of hospitality, working late nights, it kind of burns. It was 20 burns. years, yeah. 20 really? years. Um, so no, that was me too. I did a 20-year too. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? You know, and I think everything now kind of for me is, is getting 10 years. I, I've been uh, working with Victoria, my partner, and we set up a, a naturopathic clinic um, in 2014 and, it's been 10 years and you sort of start to get itchy. So how do you, you know, go from a pub to a naturopath? Yeah. Well, that's a big difference. <laughs> it's were you Were you feeling guilty, were you? Yes. I had to have a year to prepare for it. <laughs> so I had a sabbatical. So uh, I prepared. Well, I suppose naturopathic clinic kind of might have been also the influence from your dad, right? Research and yes. finding yep. new ways to help people with medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We've got a team of 12 staff now. Um and that's really what kind of led us into being able to leverage into development. I think the development yeah. doesn't just happen. You know, you've got to get your ducks in a, in a row. And I think one of the biggest things for us was that 
I remember so clearly um, a day where we sat in our accountant's office and we said, oh, right, we, we want to we go and develop, you know. And he said, you can't. You know, you, you don't have good figures. You don't have track records. You know, we're running you. And he said, look, if you want to get into development, and I didn't know what I know now, had I known now what I know, I probably would have said, yeah, thanks for your advice. I'm going to see uh, Jason and Amy. Um, but we followed that traditional kind of path, and, and that traditional path was that we just needed to buckle down and really get the business in a very tidy position for the bank. And a lot of it was just the strategy that Vic and I had every day was how do we build this business to then go on and build the next business. So I guess a learning for us and, 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 a, and some of the skills that we got through that was really looking strategically and that really taught me to think about long term you know and not sort of what can I do next year but what what does my next five to ten years look like and I never yeah, really how do you set that up yeah yeah yep yeah instead of just jumping into it yeah that makes a lot of sense and I've, yep. I've similar journey as well I had had to get out of father-son business but I did set set it up so that someone could take over it so that I could exit um yep. and I think maybe that what allows you to be successful sometimes is obviously persistence is one thing but it is a setup what how are you going to set it up so that you do able to actually concentrate on it because you know i talk a lot about shiny balls and all these things kind of going on that you kind of keep looking here there what should i do what should i do but if you actually take care of something and say okay this is this is where i'm going to do it then you know, i can move on to somewhere else in the um in jobs like amy and i had jobs so we had to say we're going to limit the amount of effort we put into our jobs to the minimum amount of what we're expected in our jobs, but not over that. Yeah. Because like yourself, we're high achievers. Yeah. So naturally you put us in a job, we'll be the best employee. Yeah. You know, this is what this is what we're, we're born to do. But we had to kind of say, okay, that's where the limit of where we're doing it. We're, and we're happy we're doing that. We're not going to do any extra, no weekend work, no extra work. We will then concentrate on the other angle where we want to go to. So it sounds very similar to there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, um, and the last bit there, you aim to sell the clinic. Yeah. So look, really, um, we want to be free. Um, mm. You know, the, the clinic's been excellent for us. Um, Victoria's got her uh, vision and she wants to run online programs, uh, which will give us the freedom. Mm. Um, to do that at the moment she's still doing you know three days working on the tools so to speak and another two days training the team and training the staff um but for me it's really about kind of setting myself up with that team around me and to be able to leverage and you know to live that lifestyle that we kind of all dream about you know it's it's about waking up in the morning and and jumping out of bed it's about kind of doing stuff like this and talking and, and networking with people who are just you know big vision, you know, and, and it's just exactly what, what I want to do, you know, and, and I think mm. that the clinic for us has been a fantastic tool. It's taught us strategy and growth and all that kind of stuff. But I think we're kind of getting to the point now where we're really clear on where we want to go and what we want to do, and I think property development is 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 right on for us. Yeah, great. Okay, great. What I'm looking at now is your, your vision board. Yep. Um, to be able to make, make sure that you're constantly seeing that there's something about Mindset isn't only about, you know, mantras and doing or going to an event every now and then, but it's got to be basically in front of you every single day what you want and what you want to achieve. So yeah. um, it's worked for me. If people kind of, I looked at it at the beginning and went, uh, 
don't see how that's going to work. But it's it's just that constant repetition. It's NLP, neural linguistic programming, right? Yep. So if you keep seeing it something over and over and over again, you kind of aim for it. <laughs> I've I've never had a vision board, you know, and I've been in some successful businesses and I just can't thank you guys enough because it wasn't <laughs> until you said turn up to the mastermind with your vision board, I'm like, <laughs> I've got to make a vision board, you know. And, I mean, that's accountability, you know, and I look at this thing every day. I look at it morning and night. It's in my bedroom when I wake up in the morning and I see it when I go. And I've got to say it works, you know, and it's just it, it, it draws you. You know, some days you might have a bad day at work and you look at that and you just think, yep, I'm on track. You know, that's, that's where I'm I, going. I, when, I remember when I did my first one, and I, I always used to love those TV shows or the movies where you see the, the crazy guy who gets all the string and joins things together, you know. Yeah. So I did mine like that. And then what I did is I had pictures of people that were that I needed to get closer to make that happen. And so I draw, I get a piece of string and I put their photo there and I'd string <laughs> that to there and then I'd string this to here and then I'd string because that's what I've always felt that there was people that, you needed to connect with or, or part of your team. Um, and so that that would be an interesting development from there. Who's the yeah. next? Because there's always the next person. Like, sure, you know, you come into our journey and we'll always be with you. But um, but then it's like, okay, well, who is the next person in your own personal private team yeah. that you need, that you want to approach, that you want to get, or who do you admire? Yeah. So I think that's important as well. That's great. Ha- having that, um, that board up every day, it just, it, it's, life-changing for us, you know, and I, I think that's one of the, the greatest things that I have got from being part of it, the, the group is just the stuff that you bring to us. It's just really good stuff. It's tangible. Um, yeah, and and it, 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 your mindset then is focused as well. Yeah. So yep. I don't see, like, you know, on this, I, I can really see the focus of where you're at and the problem is that sometimes we just have too many things going on, you know, and yep. too many I don't have too many things escaping us to, oh, you should go do this instead or you should go do that. But if we can do this and we know where our focus is, we don't have to concentrate on these other things. When other people come into our life and they see that you're going places, like, oh, you should do this, you should do that, you go, yeah. no, this is my vision. Yeah, great. Yeah. Okay, that's beautiful. Next slide. All so right. Let me talk about, <laughs> talk about these now. These look very interesting. So what we're looking at here is one, two, three, four properties, yep. starting off in 2009. Um, yep. So tell us about that the beach shack first of all. So, <laughs> we, so we, we went down the traditional route um, with regards to the property investment. So, um, you know, we, we thought, you know, go and buy a whole heap of whatever you can and over time it'll grow. So we bought this uh, property in, in Bondi um, 2009 and basically it just didn't grow, you know. We bought it for five. Oh, what do you say? Is, is that a three-level townhouse? No, it's actually it's looks a lot better than what uh, like in that picture. We had the little. If you could have a look down here uh, behind oh, this garden, fence, it's a one-bedroom, fifty-two square meter uh, uh, unit in Bondi. Yeah, so we, we sat on it for for years, and it just didn't go up. And um, it was great. It served the purpose for us. It was our principal place of residence. Um, for us now, the position we're in, 
Uh, we've just sold that. Um, for us, it's more important to have that money tied up in development. Yeah. One of the targeting things that I teach a lot of people is it's all about location. And you hear that location, location, location. No, it's not just about that. You can't just say that, you know, it's location, location. It's really got to be about why do people want to live there? Yeah. So I yep. knew that I, I grew up in the North Shore, moved to DY, moved from DY into Paddington. And then Paddington was pretty close, just up the road from Bondo, right? So I used yep. to surf. I didn't surf at Bondo Beach. I surfed um, over at Bronte. So that yep. was that was my beach there. Because I, I was, sorry, I, I'm not allowed to call myself a surfer because if there's any surfers listening, they go, you're not a surfer, you're a you're an esky lid surfer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a, <laughs> yeah. So I'm a boogie boarder. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I'd get beaten up on a boogie board over at Bondo Beach. So I found a home at Bronte with the other boogie boarders <laughs> where I could cut in on people's waves. <laughs> so, um, but Bondi Beach, right, where you are there, I mean, what was the, what are your memories of being in that location and, and Bondi? And what was your favorite shop in Bondi or the best area? So for, for us, we, we, it was an entry point into the market. Um, so it wasn't a case of where we wanted to live. And I think that was part of the frustrating thing. We were in Bondi, but we spent all our mornings, all our afternoons, our evenings down on the beach. So it was kind of frustrating in the sense that we bought in this location, but we weren't living where we really wanted to live. And I think that makes it really important. Yeah. You know, I think you've got to be able to come home from work at the end of the day and sit back and go, you know what, I absolutely love where I live. You know, we spend so much time there. So we're now rent investors. So we now live on Campbell Parade. Um, it's uh, in a nice apartment and it's exactly the apartment that what, what we want to live in. And, and when we get to the end of the presentation, I'll show you the actual unit that we want to actually yeah, live great. in and buy. So what, 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 what is the key point about living in Bondi to people that have not lived there before other than always just seeing this one beach? Like there's a lot more to Bondi than just the beach, right? Yeah. The beach is great. But the food, the entertainment, the pubs, the culture, the backpackers, the coffee, the characters, the schools, the, the markets, like the cliff, you know, you go up to yeah. look off the cliff. Like what, 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 what are your memories of Bondi? It's the Bondi oh, like it's it is and it exists. You know, everybody in Bondi just says, look, why would you leave? You know, it's got, like you say, it's got cafes, it's got restaurants, it's got an eclectic kind of culture, uh, you know, kind of anything goes. You can go and, you know, get dressed up to go out to dinner or you can dress down to go out to dinner. It's it's a really cool vibe. Um, and look, for, for me, I'm getting older. Um, and living in this environment just makes me feel young. You know, I get up in the morning, yeah. I go down to the strip, uh, 5.30, there's people out, there's joggers, there's, you know, people having their coffee. It's fun, you know, and I just So feel- what I'm getting, the, the sense here is something that we talk a lot about in property development, right, when we teach you, like, all the merits behind it, is that you like a busy place to live. Yeah, you totally. love that atmosphere because some people go, why would you build something near? I would hate to live here, but that's that's what I mean. There is a there is there is a huge amount of people that that thrive after that. Yep. You know, and and I was the same at one point. Now I got a couple of kids, it's kind of changed a little bit, but yeah, I would hang out most of my time down there as well. Um, and that's when we can kind of look for the replicates of that, like in Coogee, right? Which is quite a drive from Bondi. It's like it's not next door to it, it's, it's yeah. quite a bit down the road. But it has that same type of feeling. But yeah. anything between Bondi and Coogee, it's just not the same. Maruba is definitely not Coogee. You know? Yeah, 
Like yeah. a beach isn't just a beach. It's about the atmosphere that comes around it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's that personality that it has, you know, and it's 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 the sum of everything really, you know, and it's what makes it special. It's the people, it's the, the culture, it's the lifestyle. It's, it's great. Yeah, so an agent said to me once, um, this is a great agent that we use to sell all our stock and everyone keeps trying to get us to use someone else. We're just like, why would we? This guy, this guy knows everyone and he's got PTR, proven track record of selling stuff. But he said to me, what I sell houses on isn't the house. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. We just put all this effort into building this beautiful house and all these features when you're telling us you don't sell that. He says, no, I sell them on what is around the area, what it's like yeah. to live here. Yeah. So that's great. All right, we'll go through. So these three other properties here, we have Bald Hills, Kipper Ring, um, two and Kipper Ring there. These were just buy and, and hold ones, or was there any motivation between between buying both of them or did you have any help? Or? Yeah, look, uh, this, this is a really good... Um, example of being very clear uh, on what you want, um, particularly when you look at a long-term vision. Um, we bought these through a buyer's agent, a very good buyer's agent uh, at that, you know, and, and um, he did a really great job for us. But where we failed in this was we were not clear in our long-term strategy. We went to him and we said, we want to buy in Brisbane. We want something with development potential. Um, and we want it within that sort of 450 to 500k mark. So he went yeah, out. That, that, that mark is important, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And so we came that, back. They, with- they, they won't throw you stuff at 600. They'll say, okay, four, five. That's yep. where you're probably better spending. In Brisbane, it's a, such a funny market, right? Yeah. And I don't mean to interrupt you here, but I think that's a great point that when you're in the property game, you just you just know it and you live it and breathe it. And you just look at any property and go, that's for you you shouldn't buy that. You should go two suburbs over, spend another 50 grand, which is nothing really. Yeah. When it comes yeah. to, you know, the end where you where you're situated, but you should go over here and buy that property in that particular ring because that's going to be um, more beneficial to you. But even with these ones here, you gave them the task, this is our budget here. Yeah, um, it would have been about what's the rental coming in, right? Which is kind yeah, of what so we're, most people look at. We're kind of neutral um, on the one, the Kippering one down the bottom, uh, up the top here. Um, that one cost us a fair bit of money. Um, there was a lot of repair work that needed to be done on that. Um, you know, yeah. when you get an agent that says, "Look, you know, it's you will get a better price because there's a lot of work to be done." That doesn't equate to, you know, like that might be great to say $5,000, but over three years it costs us probably thirty dollars or $40,000 in repairs and maintenance. So just really looking long-term, you know, and the point I'm trying to point, press here is you've got to, with every development or property, you have to have a specific clear objective as to what you, you need to get from that property, almost starting with the end in mind and work back. And it comes down to a lot of people I'm a member of a whole lot of groups and, and what we forget now as property developers is you don't have the knowledge to make that choice. Yeah. So I don't blame people sometimes when they say, I just bought this or that. And I think you did okay. But the thing is that um, if you don't have the skills to be able to develop stuff, then you want something that's developable. But I mean, that's you, you don't know really the merit of how to do it in the end of the day. So unless you know how to do it, you, you just look at properties as the house. Yeah. And that's kind of what you looked at, the house and the income. Whenever I look at these, I look at, okay, well, what's the land and how much it's going to cost me to convert it? And then- I mean, the buyer's agent was excellent. He gave us what we were looking for, what we asked for, um, particularly with the two uh, the two Kipper Ring properties. I mean, we, we wanted to get something in a developing area 
um, preferably side by side. So we, we managed to secure these two sites kippering. So this was 23 crawl uh, and this was 25 crawl. And they were side by side and they were both around that 600 square metres. So we, we thought we were doing really well. We had 1,200 square metres uh, in kippering in an emerging community. Yep. So we went ahead, we bought the site, we thought, yep, let's start developing next week. We went to council and said, yep, we've just bought these two blocks of land. We can, you know, based on previous track record in other locations, we should be able to put 12 townhouses on this site. Council said, whoa, 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 this is emerging community. And I said, well, when are you going to develop this? And they said, well, it hasn't even gone to state government yet. I said, oh, okay, no worries. How long is that going to take? You know, do we need to sit on it for a year or something? He said, mate, 10 years at least. Yeah, and I'm just like, my gosh, we're, we're, in a, we're now maxed out. We've got four assets. None of them are cash flow positive. We're sort of sitting around that $40, $45,000 in the red every year. And I'm like, what do I do? I just, you know, it was just yeah. a, a disaster. But, you know, you put that down to experience and it's what motivated us to move into to PDS, mm. you know, um, we moved, we joined PDS in 2018. My sole purpose was to come in and learn how do we kind of, A, look at things differently and B, how do we get ourselves out of this mess? That's you know, I, pretty common with a lot of people. So PDS stands for a course that I run called Property Developer Success, which is really basically exactly that. It's not just coaching. It's saying, well, what were the action steps that I took? in my own journey to be successful at what I do is property development because any anyone can learn how to be a property developer. Anyone can pick up a book or cost you $30, get it down the, you know, and order it off the internet, whatever. You can you can watch stuff and you can get the information. But what I say, and that's knowledge, right? But what you really need to know is the applied knowledge. Yeah. That's the difference between having a book and then copying someone's who's got the system figured out. And that's what we did. We we had the system figured out. We 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 found a way that we could actually copy that into a process that someone else could could copy exactly what we did. And I think a lot of people just come to us because we've we've got applied knowledge yeah. instead of just knowledge. And I think that makes a big a big difference. And we're active. Yeah. I think one of the most impressive um things for me, Jason, coming into PDS and then um, elevating into Next Level Mastermind is you guys have got a really good system and you can see there's a lot of property people out there, you know, and I have done a lot of those courses and, mm. you know, I even did those courses prior to this and still made this mess. But you've almost got a system that's a no-fail system. If you follow the system, you know, start with X and then go to Y, it's you can't fail, you know, and it's and yeah. it's proven. You've got track record, and it's easy. Because our first property was a development, you know, that was what it was. So we just kept going. This works. We keep going on that journey through. So that works. Yeah. So that's good. So what happened? What where, where the state of them now? Are they all gone or? So this is uh, this is the result remember. of what happened when I came. I know Board Hill's gone. Yeah, Board Hills. We've wrapped up all of these now. So. Um, and I've, I've got to say, um, you know, Amy worked really hard with me to get results from these and we actually came out in front. And I, I honestly never thought we'd do that. I mean, with, with Bald Hills, you know, I bought Bald Hills and this is probably a really interesting story to tell because I bought Bald Hills with a five-year plan I was going to um, develop on it. It was two titles 
uh, side by side. So traditional kind of Queensland block, two tiles. Yep, so sitting separate. on two separate lots, but yep. one house yep. over two lots. Yep, yep, that's good. So if you take the house away, you're sitting on two lots. Yep. Yep. So I'd had this plan that, you know, I was going to put two luxury homes. Uh, we we're going to get rid of the house, put two luxury homes on there. And I went and did all my build costs. I did everything. I've got my builder lined up, ran my numbers, 3% margin, you know, and I'm like. Oh. We don't go after blocks that mum and dad would buy. Yes. Because they don't need to make a profit margin. Yeah. And yes. so sure, if you're a mum and dad, you buy a block of land, you build a house, and your total cost is eight hundred, and it's valued at eight hundred. You're like, oh, that's that's good. We did well. Yeah. <laughs> but as a developer, you, you've got to make sure you don't make that mistake. It's got to be ch- and and it, again, as a developer, like what you talked about with Bondi. Anyone listening wants to be a developer or wants to get better at it. It's about the location of where that development will be, where that new product will be, because most of the time they're smaller blocks, but yeah. we need them to be in that type of atmosphere that it is closer to amenities. I've seen developments done right in the outskirts of stuff and they never get the highest profit margin. The highest profit margins are when they're really close to the shops, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. with the Bald Hills one, Amy said, let's just keep it simple. Let's just get rid of the house. Let's just yeah. clear the site and sell the two, two blocks separately. I said, sounds too easy to me. I put the block, I rang a couple of people who do uh, demo. The guy said, look, I'll sell the house for you. I just need two months. Um, so he sold the house. He then part of the sale of the house said, if I sell your house, I'll clear your site for free. So let, let's just explain that to people yep. listening here. I understand exactly what you're talking about. But what what so what happens when the, you get two ways? If your place is not on the ground, on a, yep. on a on a piece of concrete directly on the ground, and it's above the ground, most of the time you can lift up and take it somewhere else. So if it's on the ground, forget about it. But most of the time, um, especially up in Queensland, they're off the ground. Now, if they don't have a hell of a lot of asbestos in them, because if you've got to suddenly go and take it somewhere else and replace all the asbestos and other stuff, it costs too much money. But it, they can have a little bit, but not a lot. Then you can cut it in half and then you can take that. And most of the time, these properties end up in a low social area where, you know, we're now just do them up because it's cheaper than, than actually building a house to so just cut this one in half, take it somewhere else, replant it somewhere else, and then someone else is happy with that house. So what's happened here, you've spoken to a demo guy, he said, I'll demo it, but first I'm going to actually get you some money back because I'm going to actually going to sell this house, lift it up, take it somewhere else, and then I'll demo the land. And then once the land's demo, you're basically looking at two rectangles, right, that you can sell separately. Yep. Yeah. And that's just as simple as it was, Jason. You know, like there was a night where, he, you know, at 12 o'clock they, they turned up. The day before they chopped the house in half, they backed the trucks up, they lift them up, they backed the truck up, they then really drop the house down, it sits on a, on a like a chassis, and then they just drive off like it was done in five hours. It was just amazing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we were about to demolish this house, you know, and knock it down, yeah. but we ended up making $10,000 out of the whole process of that. Yeah, and that's that's the thing where you kind of look at it. Other times I've been in that situation before where we could have cut it and done it, but the time frame would have been too long. So we just demoed it because it's again, how much are you gonna get? Ten thousand works there, time frame, right? Okay, yeah, go and do it. And that's that's kind of nice. Now, having said that, anyone that's listening to this, it's all about how they leave the site. Okay. So if you're ever dealing with demo guys, it's not so much about what can they do, but how do they leave the site afterwards? Because you do, for a builder or anyone to buy it, it needs to be cleared, nice, no junk on the land. So 
I've seen some stories before where someone demos it or something and then they leave all the rubble there or they don't clear it or they don't level it. So what we want to end up with is the house gone, then all the concrete and everything like that taken away and you're not quoted extra on the concrete. It's a full, make sure that con- that contract says everything is included um, because I've seen stuff before where all the concrete was just left on site and there's another 10,000 and removed the concrete um, because it's heavy stuff, right? Um yeah. And so, okay, so you cleared it. You got two blocks of land now. And then, what was your strategy behind selling? Did you what, did you sell them both separately, or? So we wanted to reduce our debt. So we we were capped out from a serviceability perspective. So collectively, with these four properties, we we're sitting on around about three million dollars worth of debt. And with regards to equity, we we're capped out um, on equity. We had about six hundred thousand dollars locked into all of these, um, and it was just like a nightmare we just couldn't go anywhere with it you know we we're just paying mm-hmm. the bank every month um and it was really um you know a, a, a relief to, to 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 know that we could get rid of these properties offload them and with the bald hills one we came out forty thousand dollars in front um and with the two kipper in properties we came out about twenty five thousand dollars in front now that wasn't a lot but for me that was such a relief because it created opportunity a to reuse that equity elsewhere and B, to be able to cap a hole in your bucket when you're seeing money go out every year and not know what to do with it is disheartening. You know, and we had, um, you know, all these dreams that we wanted to do, but we just were capped out and locked in. So, um, you know, Amy and yourself were really great in, in let's just get these wrapped up. And it took about six months. And that's, to get it all it's, does, it's not that hard for us to see and do that either. Yeah, because we just see the vision of what would we do in your situation. Yeah, yeah. Now, when everyone, someone said, "Well, how do I do this?" I go, "How would I do it?" Okay, this is what I would do, and it's normally the right way because yeah. I'm looking at my applied knowledge. How would I apply my knowledge? Well, there's not too much I should do with there. I should put it somewhere else, and it can be then be. I would. I, I sometimes would sell the property and then go buy in exactly the same suburb but in a different location to, to achieve what I wanted to, or just getting another 10 square metres, yeah, <laughs> silly yeah. things like that. All right, we're going to speed through a little bit more here. So to keep during that whole time, uh, it took about six months to get everything wrapped up. So, you know, I was motivated to kind of take it to the next level. I said to Amy, well, look, what else can we do? And she said, well, you've got any money in your super. So we said, well, yeah. So we basically then looked at, um, we were in a clinic in Cremorne, and our lease was coming up and uh, we've been in that clinic for five years and we said, well, what do we do? And we thought, well, now's the time to access our super. The whole super legislation was tightening up. Um, so basically we just moved into um, a new premises in Neutral Bay. Uh, it took us about six months to find the site. We did all of this whilst we were waiting for the Queensland properties to clean up. Um, and then we, we ended up buying ourselves a, um, a really nice 100-square-metre uh, clinic for our naturopath clinic in Cremorne so that when we sell the business, um, we've still got the asset there and we'll hopefully sell the business as a going yeah. concern um, and we'll have a tenant in there. Okay, project, project two, two is called the Bondi Boomer. Yep, yep. So this was the our principal place of residence. So you imagine 2009, we really hadn't done a lot to that place um, and we decided that look, it's time to sell the principal place of residence. You know, we wanted to move on. We've had a little bit of a growth um, spurt through Bondi, so it was the right time to uh, uh, clean things up. Um, and we just did a quick um, three-week turnaround. We redid the floors, painted, um, redid the kitchen, redid the bathroom, just modernised it, put an air conditioning in there. 
And we had it valued in 2020 for 885. And then uh, we we sold this only two months ago uh, for 1.215. So um, we got a really nice return on that. And I think we just got it got in at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And and you didn't even in your renovation didn't overcapitalize and overspend. Like we, one thing we talk about that we naturally have to do as property developers is constantly pay wholesale prices for stuff, constantly use people that just aren't referrals, but are from a business point of view are going to give us the best type of service. And then always look at the the budget. Just not let, let's just spend whatever we can on this. Let's just do what we think will be good. Let's just get everyone in and then we'll, we'll work out what the cost is at the end. No, we treat everything like a business, yeah. right? You would have known the exact cost of everything that was going into that even before you started. And I think that's a really good talent in itself to have even before we start building, just a talent to be able to know the right materials and don't pay over the top for, for things at retail price, right? They're having yeah. the branding and having the name and having that normal conversation with people when you are probably developed allows you to get so many things at a better price and allows you to negotiate too, right? Yeah. And that's so true. Right? Um, we were looking at um, when I was doing the PDS, always ask for trade price, you know, and I went into Bunnings. I said, oh, I want a trade price on this. And yeah, sure. It's 20% off. Like, I mean, I've just got to ask. I mean, that, that, and that's where I think, you know, being in, in, in PDS for me, you know, it's all the little hidden stuff that adds up, you know, just by learning no to ask for a discount, you know, cover the cost of the course, you know, the money I saved, you know. I mean, that renovation was $32,000 renovation, you know, and it was wow. a, that was a new kitchen, new bathroom. Uh, we redid the floors, redid, re you know, a lot of stuff, but it would have been 40, 45,000, you know, and the yeah. return on that, you know, we got close to probably $200,000 return. Um, and just doing it smart, not overcapitalizing, asking for trade prices. It was great. It's good. It's a really good strategy. Beautiful. Great to hear. Okay, so that's been renoed now and you've passed that one on. This one now, Project 3, is called the Dunmore Twins. So, yeah, what, so we're looking, what are we looking at here? Th this is where development for me started. So the other stuff was more or less just kind of cleaning stuff up. Um, this is where my heart really started to beat. Um, so Dunmore, the Dunmore Twins is our first development. Now, what we're looking at here in the slides, in case you're listening, is a duplex, right? So you've got a common party wall down the middle and you've got you know, one, one, one build we've split in half, but it looks really good. Yeah, Yeah. so we got this through a buyer's agent. It actually came through the PDS community. So um, yep. we're just, you know, following the community and sort of getting, you know, involved with everything. We saw that um, there was a buyer's agent that said, you know, he's got a deal. Anybody interested, make contact, you know. And he, um, I, I spoke to him. I remember I was at the airport up in Ballina coming back from a holiday. And by the time I got back from Ballina, I was, next day I was down south coast, which is where Dunmore is, looking at the site called in the next day and said, yep, it's it's a goer. You know, I was I did my numbers. There was proven track record. Um, I felt comfortable with the uh, buyer's agent. He, that's an area that he specialised in, introduced me to the builder. So it was really quick. And this is part of... Oh, so there's, this, a, there's a few tips there, right? So you obviously got proven track record in the area. So have other people done duplexes in this area before? Yes. Yep. Okay, then... Yep. You, you've now got to hook up with a builder, which is good, which, again, you're going to negotiate on a budget, not just a price to say, well, this is what we can afford to do it. So that's really good. And when you get teams of people like that, you've got someone that's known in the area, so that, that's great to do that. And I suppose you would have looked at the overall map and be able to work out the location of this and where it was going to be placed, right? 
Yeah, this is a new land release, um, very close to uh, a new marina that's been built and, and a multi-million dollar marina. The, the, the infrastructure that's gone in down the south coast for this area is phenomenal. They've put in new, new rail links, upgraded roads. It's a really booming area. And this was so you just... you basically followed the money. Yeah, that, and it was that easy. Um, uh, it was just so easy just to kind of go, well, look, yep, you can see new roads going in here. There's a train station here. Um, it was everything you taught in the course. I said, well, th- you know, th- this is a no-brainer. You know, and it See, was- that's what it is. So, some people, like, say to me, what is it? Well, I've got, if i got eight targets, I'm looking at it. If i got four targets, I don't look at it. I just walk away. Yeah. And I, yeah. I, it's, it's hard for me to explain because I have to go into detail about the target methods that we use, but they do work. Yeah. Um, and that, and that they also will show you where not to go. And that's what I, that's really what I want to show people. Yeah. I want to almost be arrogant to a point, and I am from that point of view, go, no, just don't bother. It's, there's an easier way to do it. Go here instead because even though you might feel like there's a good price or something there or someone's told you to go there, it doesn't make sense from a targeting point of view. It's going to be harder, so go the easy way. Now, what I really like, I'm reading this slide, is really good, extended settlement while whilst getting a DA. So what this means is that you say, hey, I'm going to buy it, you pay the deposit. And then what happens is there's a certain time frame between, between when, you, when you sign the paperwork and then when you're actually – going to pay for the actual um, site. And so what that means is most of the time, if you're just doing a house, it might be 42 days, right? And the bank pays them out, the whole type of thing. But in property development, you can do an extended settlement, which gives you the chance to go and get a development application that time. So really what you've got to understand here is the money out of your pocket might just be that 5% deposit. And that's just held in a trust, so that's secured, that's okay. Um, but now you've got this time frame that if you had to settle on it straight away, then you've got this time frame again in the DA, which might be six months, which will be you just holding, holding. So the good thing is that we can negotiate things like extended settlement so that you can get your development application all done and then that's all finished and then you settle, what was it, six months or three months down the line? We had a three-month settlement on this, but we knew the proven track record, which one of the things we got from the course was find out from your council are they pro development and this council was really pro development in we this ran- area though right yes yeah so this is the whole thing a council will have a map and they'll and this is where it cuts down you're you're looking everywhere right and you can cut that that map down and say this is where the council says yes it's almost like one eighth of every suburb is yep. easy to develop um, but the rest of it, you just shouldn't even be bothered going there. So the DA was approved prior to settlement, which is great. Um, and then have you commenced the build in this one? Yeah, so we've started. So I'll, um, this is where we're at at the moment. So um, the first picture shows you kind of when we, we bought the site. So that was back in uh, December 2020. Um, the sold sign went up on that. Um, we had a little issue with our builder. So our builder, and I'll talk a bit more about this later down the track, but our builder, um, the day before we were meant to sign the contract, actually got arrested. Um, so that was kind of a threw everything out. But uh, I rang Amy, you know, 24 hours later after Amy sitting, is. you know, in the, in the gutter, blowing in a brown paper bag for 24 hours. Amy, what do I do? You know, and she said, well, just do the logical thing, find another builder. I'm like, okay, no worries, you know. Um, and that was great, you know. <laughs> and, you know, we've got another builder now. Um, you know, it probably held us up by a four weeks, five weeks, but yeah. the beauty of that is that we, we managed to make a massive gain in getting the DA approved before settlement. So it really didn't, you know, 
make too much of a difference and, and things like that mm. happen, you know, and that's one of the things I've learned is in the building game, stuff's going to happen and it's just how you approach it, you know. So last two weeks yeah. ago, we put our slab down. This uh, went down just before the lockdown for COVID, so which worked out well for us. It went uh, down on a Friday. They had a two-week lockdown, so they had time to cure. And then this week, we've got the frames going up. Yeah, beauty. No, that's great. And they're using the waffle pods there. Yeah. Um, yep. Which is, yeah, something we can talk about later, but they're, they're very smart when you see they're using that. They're actually saving you money, which is good. Instead of doing full concrete ones, they're using waffle pods. So that's really good. It's going to, so you can see it's a, it's a builder that's thinking about it, you know, but how does he save you money? So he can really, I mean, a slab's a, slab, a piece of concrete on the ground is a piece of concrete on the ground. Obviously, it's got to be peered right. But really where you want to be spending your money is on, you know, the kitchens and the bathrooms and, and making the house a slightly bigger if you can. So that's good. He's um looks like he's I think about one, that, of, the, one of the things I learned from from you guys was you control the build price. Like, you know, we didn't go to the builder and say, Can you build this? How much is it gonna cost? We went to the builder and said, Mr. Builder, you know, this is our budget. We need you to, to, to build something and this is what we want. And they went, okay, which is kind of um, just a quick overview of what the internal is going to look like. Now, these are just the, the wireframes, which are the, the images yep. that they put before they add the colour to it. So this isn't uh, the final product, um, but we're looking at putting these on the market in about three weeks. Um, so we want to get uh, one of them locked away within the next month and we'll probably just see how the market goes and we might sort of – go close uh, to selling the second one um, right yeah. on completion. We just want to de-risk it a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'd, I'd actually be doing the same thing. And you don't, you never sell two of them. Just sell one of them off and then, yeah. And then your argument is we're going to hold the one. Yes. The other yep. one. Then yep. you go, oh, okay, then last minute going to do that. Yeah, that's yep. great. And you've got the square set roof there. Yep. Nice. Yep. So, Nice, um, nice little development. So, and again, the beauty of this one is it's easy. You know, it's simple. It was um, no, no complex stuff. Um, the ground was pretty level. Was, there was no issues on the side. Yeah, what I like about this are those windows right along the side there. Yeah. I found that that's just something I, I love doing now. The high set windows yeah. don't have to be big anymore. And if they just run in a line from one side of the house all the way down the side, man, when you wait till this is finished and you walk through there, it will feel fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So you, 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 I mean, that's where we develop. We're developing areas which are kind of closed in, you know, and so you're going to have privacy issues. So you've got to kind of work out how do you still get the light in but still protect the privacy. So that's great. Well done there. Yeah, no, okay. nice to hear you say that, uh, Jason, because I think, um, you know, the builder we felt with this one really knew his stuff. You know, like I remember him saying, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. If you've got to save money, don't don't take it out of here um, because this is what's going to give you your best bang for your buck. So, um, And then this is just the um, uh, the numbers. Um, so we started out on this one um, sitting at around about 180,000 uh, profit, which was showing around about 16.8%. Uh, um, given that there's a little bit of growth, um, we've picked up a little bit of growth in this one. So um, we're looking at around 240,000 uh, profit uh, and around about a um, return on cost, of, uh, total development cost, 19.8%. Uh, but the nice one here is, you know, return on equity, 105% on return on equity, which is a nice Yeah, and I think that's important. That's why we do it for the return on the equity. So what that really means, if you're new to this world, 
is it's not about how much you can borrow for the bank because everyone can borrow the money for the bank. That's not the big thing. It's about the money that needs to go in and out of a whole lot if you can kind of try to work out out of the money that you actually have to inject it in that wasn't part of the loan that you had to get from somewhere else. At the end of the day, when you sold everything, how much was that money rewarded? Because that's using money to make money. So the first bit of using money to make money is use a bank's money to make money. You know, as an experienced property developer now, it's it's we all always we get to this point when we talk about square meterage. You know, is it three eighty? Is it four hundred? And then that's kind of how we compare each other of what we've done. Not about the internals or what it is, because we all know that more square meterage means more construction cost. Yeah. So we've got to say, is 20, 20 square meters more going to actually change the end value? Where mum and dad, yep, I want it. I want that deck a bit bigger, but. <laughs> That's not how we think, right? Yeah. So we've got to constantly start thinking, what do we need to do within our margins of our square meterage that we do to be able to make the maximum profit margin? And that's one thing that I think you've done really well here. So that that's good. That's good to see. I like that. And look, doing okay. this gives you a chance to kind of look and say, well, look, do I want a better number down the bottom here? Where do I need to go and try and save some money? You know, do I try and save some money on the acquisition price? Um, this was listed at 460 um, acquisition. We got it down to 450. We just went back and said, look, the deal's too, too um, uh, skinny. Uh, we need to find some money. The builder's not prepared to drop it anymore. You want to sell the property? Um, we needed it at 450. And they said, Okay, but don't tell the neighbour, you know. So, <laughs> Okay, so then we've got Project 4, the Black Butts Twins. Okay, so yes. we're looking at another duplex here, a uh, bit different design, obviously, um, very cost-effective here. That's good. So the, the, the thing with this one, Jason, was that we were starting, I was starting to feel confident in feeling that I could source good deals and read the market. So the market was moving really quickly. It was hot down there. Um, and this site came on and it was has it had a DA approval. And... Um, you know, that when you think about it, eight, eight to 12 weeks, it would say we could get started on this pretty much straight away. Um, we just needed to make some modifications. We knew this site had some challenges and I and I actually bought it for the challenges. Uh, I know that sounds a bit sadistic, but it was a sloping block. There was some water issues, but it gave us a really good bargaining tool. And I just worked really closely with the builder and I said, how can you mitigate this? How can we save money? What's it going to cost? What's our worst case scenario? Um, and he said, no, we can do this, we can do that, we can go back to council, we can get this modified, it's going to cost you a little bit less because we can change the roof structure. Um, and we managed to pull about $60,000 in cost um, just by doing things differently. You know, the roof line has changed significantly and we saved about $25,000 just in the roof line uh, alone, just changing the design. The person that did the design, the DA, was a very high-end builder and was really just looking for something really sexy um, but we tried to just sort of dumb it down a little bit just to save cost, and this is the result that we kind of got. Yeah, and that, like you can see here, this is something that we do a lot. It's about um, your materials that you use. You use a mix of materials so that you don't have to do the whole thing out of brick, but what you can do is you do something that, that brick is a beautiful thing to use, right? But your eyes will capture the brick and go, that's really nice, and they don't really need the whole thing done in brick. Now you've got yeah. brick down the bottom. And there's a thing that people don't know about, really, if they're not really in the game so much, and that is this thing called decorative brick. And decorative brick would not hold up a house. It's yeah. still a brick. <laughs> so sometimes you, we build the whole houses in, um, in you know, just cladding. 
Yeah. And then we and then it's all finished. It's all structural. And then we just get this decorative brick, which is probably about you know half the size in thickness of a normal brick. And we just chuck all the decorative brick out there. So it looks like decorative brick. <laughs> and normally that, I mean that's what we do, right? And people go, oh. We can do that, you know. And what you said then is is a good tip for people, especially even if you're doing their own homes. The drainage, yeah, the the the, the roof, the angles, even the downpipes. Everything has to turn and go here and go there and expose or box gutters and that type of stuff. Like if you put box gutters on this, which is like an internal um, type of gutter on your roof, let's put it that way, right? And then it collects all the water, then it goes down. So it's not a gutter on the side of a house, but it's kind of inside that, inside the roof. That and they, they're pretty cool, right? But that costs you so much money. So then you've got to go back and you've got to say, hey, it doesn't look great with all these downpipes coming everywhere, but what is my final sale price? I'm really... Uh, Will someone still buy it on the merits? Now, if I do suddenly take away the box gutters, then suddenly start doing the external drain pipes, what else do I need to do? I need to then spend, instead of save 30 there and spend 10 on the yeah. garden. Yeah. So I think those are the key things for this, yeah. So that's good. Okay. So this was a good one, like 14-month turnaround, uh, and this has been a great one for learning. You know, there's been those challenges and it's just working through. So um, there's a good profit on this. Uh, I think we've been kind of rewarded on this one, but by looking and, you know, getting a difficult site and making it work, you know. You know, we thought this area is really booming at the moment. So um, a couple of things we kind of questioned ourselves, would we do floor-to-ceiling tiles in the bathroom or would we do sort of to, you know, 1,600 or 1,800? We decided to go that little bit extra just to sort of, um, you know, soup it up a little bit. But like what you're saying, there's some areas that you can cut some, some money or to change um, some cost. Well, you've done it here. It's classical. What we're looking at is um, subway tiles in the kitchen there, right? I don't know if you're going to go with that or not. It might yep. just be a render. Yep. Yep. But subway tiles in the kitchen, which is fine, but then coming up and then instead of going with an expensive splashback or something in there, just saying subway looks nice and it's traditional for this area and it looks good. And then in the bathroom, you've done full tiles from floor to ceiling, um, which will give that wow factor, which is probably better than the guy down the road. Yeah. So, so yeah. sometimes you've got to pay attention to your competition. Your sheer blinds are great. I, I I always say to people now, just pay the money and get them chucked in there. Obviously, we pay wholesale, so we pay probably half the price of what mum and dad pay. But the sheer blinds is just the softness of it and what they do, especially when they're combined with wood, is is amazing. And then this is the um, fees I wanted. So um Sitting at uh, 322 uh, on this one, which again, like for me, it's that return on equity is that 123% uh, return on equity. So, look, okay, number five, landowner JV sounds interesting. Yeah, so this one, um, it slowed down a little bit. We're a little bit scared that we might lose this one, but it's actually got traction again. Um, we had a, uh, I actually did a letterbox drop, which was um, learned from you guys. I actually was because I was going down there so many times, I thought. Every time I go down, I'm just going to put 150 letters in a letterbox and then that'll just be part of the day. Um, so we got a call uh, on this one and it's got an older guy who's lived there all his life. Um, he's, he knows it's a development site. He had it on the market um, really um, overpriced and, you know, sat there for six months. We went to him and said, look, we can't really afford to do, to give you what you're wanting to do, but, you know, how about we do a JV? This is all we can really afford for the, the site. But if you're interested in coming along for the journey, I can leave a little bit of the, that that expectation in it for you at the end. So um, he, we sat down, we explained how it all worked, and he got on board. You know, he's really excited, and 
he wants to be part of something but doesn't want that responsibility. And I think that's where, you know, what you guys are teaching is to become developers and, and conductors of the team and, and really just inspire people to, to get involved with that. So this is going to be a nice deal for us. It's currently going through, um, we've had our pre-council meeting, we've got the ticks from pre-council, we're just doing final kind of costings now with architects, builders, town planners, uh, and hopefully we should have a resolution and a final number on this within the next sort of four to six weeks. Project six hasn't oh, started. Six. <laughs> <laughs> Project six is... Um, uh, we're now looking. We're not looking for property. We're we've maxed out again. So we're actually looking for uh, JV partners. And yeah. for me, I now feel really comfortable in being able to talk with authority about development. I feel comfortable yeah. about putting to, a team together. And I think that's that's a big thing that you've done, right? You know, you that's really what development's about is putting a team together and then showing someone that you'll be responsible with them. Yep. You know, as you go along with their money, you're, you're showing that you'll be in charge of it. I feel that that's an important thing to do. Yeah. So Good. this this is the uh, the kind of on the on the cards now is you know building out, getting in front of people, you know, get, getting a social media strategy going, uh, and really starting to build that bigger uh, portfolio. Um, yeah. I guess some of the skills that I've really learned uh, from property development. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, it's becoming the conductor. Um, the biggest skill that I've learned is really just pulling the whole team together and, um, you know, you've got your architects and your builders and your real estate agents, your buyers agents, they've all got to kind of work together, you know, and I think the responsibility of a developer really is to make that happen and to make that mesh happen. Great. And I think a lot of, like a lot of the um, guys that you use the different services actually really appreciate having someone like yourself as a property developer kind of keeps them busy you know you're kind of keeping them in business and and they know the value that developers can bring to their business yeah and i look i like that because i think that's something i learned is that you know and that's why i sort of said you've got to have a plan b and c on everything you know just and it leads me to my next point you know accept that things will go wrong so that's all part of it you know you just plan (laughs) that what could go wrong and then counter react that I think investing in mentors, you know, at, at every level. Um, I think that the linchpin for me and, and the leverage and the catalyst for my, my growth has been, you know, joining you guys and even, you know, the, at the base level of PDS and then elevating up into next level. I think my growth, you know, to, to look back, and I think I might have been telling someone a couple of months ago, you know, to go from $400,000 in, or sorry, $40,000 in the red every year to this year having been in PDS and for probably two and a half years to be looking at $500,000 profit and next year we're probably pipelining around a million dollars. I mean, there's one thing, a common denominator there, and that's kind of a mentor and that's, you know, for me that property mentor is yourself and, and, and Amy. So now from what I've found in property is looking at your weak spots and just really nailing it, you know, and and just wiping them out and making sure that you're constantly improving yourself, um, which kind of brings yeah, me to yeah. my next points is, you know, my, my challenges really is having the confidence to grow, getting out of my own way. And I think you mentioned before, Jason, about looking for the right mentor. I really felt energetically I was placed with, with Amy because it wasn't the conversations about property. It was more about what's up here, you know, and that's, confidence or past experiences that have got in the way and all that kind of stuff that, you know, you go to make it, you can do all the, the the due diligence in the world, but if you just don't have the confidence to take the next step, 
then you're going to lose that property. And then that's become, going to become a pattern. And then you've got to then break that pattern. Um, and that's why I think working with Amy was great because she said, look, this is, there's no reason why you shouldn't buy this property. Like it's got all the boxes ticked. Go for it. And look, the, obviously challenges, not only personal, external challenges, you know, accepting from, from in the building game, things will go wrong. You know, my builder got arrested, um, was, was, you know, held us up three or four weeks, but we're moving forward. Um, construction costs increasing, but, you know, the, again, that's just part of it. You know, I think. Um, but on the but, other side, what else is increasing? Well, yeah. Uh, the, the, the sale uh, price. GRV is, is uh, the gross realisation value is, is uh, knocking right up, you know, and uh, I think that covers off uh, on construction costs, you know. it's uh, And it's isn't it, it's kind of, it's kind of good from our perspective. From mum and dad, they're saying, wow, this is, this is more than what we expect, but don't worry, in the long run we'll pay it off. From yeah. a developer's point of view, we say, okay, what is expensive? Yeah. What, the LVL beams are expensive? That's fine. Okay. Well, if that's going to go up, then I've just got to be more challenging about what I do on the ground. How can I actually cut this back? Yeah. So we've actually got the ability to be able to throw these around and start seeing. And look, in a year's time, it'll all be leveled out anyway. It's a yeah. sensationalism comes up now. But it's beautiful that the actual sale price has gone up as well. Yeah, yeah. And, I, like, in all honesty, probably four times the cost of the construction. So, you know, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's just a necessary evil at the end of the day, you know. Um, yeah. And then, look, seeking the right team to work with and just understanding the build process is, um, you know, what I kind of have found as challenges. And I wrote a lot of these things down, you know, when I got started and I, and I said to Amy, I said, look, these are my concerns. You know, if they just seem to like drift away once you kind of put it out there and put it down on paper. Yeah. Kind of going on your head, you know. That's a really good. I mean, that's one way that I kind of quickly help people out. And I say, I don't want to know about what you're good at. I want to know about all the things that you need to accomplish that you're scared of, that you're worried yeah. about. So we can focus on solutions for them, lay all that out, and then we can move forward. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and this is just, you know, some advice that I, you know, if I have a chance to sort of do it all again, uh, what would I want to hear? Um, you know, for me, it's it's definitely investing in a mentor, you know, and, and getting somebody that is the right mentor, as you say. And the the cost of a mentor is insignificant to the cost of the gain that you'll get from it. You know, um, for me, accepting that things will go wrong. You know, I was control freak. I never wanted things to go wrong. I'd get all wound up about it. But now it's just water off a duck's back. Okay, well, you know, what next? What next? What do we need to do? And part of that sort of led me to just seeking out my own blind spots. You know, it wasn't just that I was trying to be too controlling. Um, just accept that, you know, as long as you're strategic, as long as you follow the system, you'll always kind of end up where you want to go. And that leads to sort of leaving that ego at the door, you know, and, and having faith in a system. I think as humans, we all like to try and do it ourselves and put our own two bobs worth in. Um, a one another point for me, um, just going through my slide there, is is taking stock uh, or taking take moments to take stock. You know, like, and I think you've got to at some point just reflect back and see what you've done. You know, and where you've come from. I think you know you can get into that whole kind of you know grind, but I think you've got to step back and go, wow. Like when I look at my renders now, I'm like, I can't believe I've created this. You know, and it's just. It's the process that you follow that just gets you there. But for me, I look at the Bald Hills project and go, I had a property that wasn't making any money, but my ego was saying, I'll keep on, I'll keep this for another couple of years and I'll try and make it work. 
I mean, gee, no, I'm not going to sell it. It's a dud, but I'm not going to sell it, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's just you got to let that stuff go, you know. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think for me I, I'm seeing a massive shift into sustainable housing, you know, and we, we as a naturopathic clinic, and I guess this is coming from my other business, is we're seeing so many clients come into the clinic now with mould and biotoxins, you know, that they're getting from their, their house, you know, and their house is actually killing them, you know. So this whole, um, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll uh, give an example. I knew I was in the right room when I was with you guys at the last mastermind and you had a building biologist because those people are really the developers of the future because our houses are a ticking time bomb. You know, and this, you know, you look at it, a lot of um, health issues and all of that kind of stuff. You know, this the people are living in these dark, dingy, cold, clammy homes. It's not sustainable. You know, our health, we're in our home probably for, you know, 60% of our, our time and we're, we're a cooking time bomb, you know. So I think that whole sustainability, building biology is going to be huge. I think that, and it's, and it's started, you know, we're seeing bio by our homes, you know, and seeing a lot of that down south now, you know, homes that are bringing in the natural light, they're well ventilated naturally, um, they're using eco materials and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's good, not just for a design perspective, but for a health perspective and a sustainability perspective as well. And look, it, it blends into what, I, what my last point, you know, I think the home office is going to be a huge part of home, you know, being that lifestyle and, and a lot of the people that are moving down south are working from home. They might do four days down south working from home and they might spend a day in Sydney, you know, to have these kind of offices that are separate and done professionally that don't just, it's not just sitting at the end of the living room table. It's actually a professional office with a kitchen and, you know, all that kind of thing, separate toilet and that kind of thing. I think it's important, you know, yeah. we are kind of Yeah, separate the living areas, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Cool. And then if, uh, this is just my personal taste. So we actually live in this building here, but we're yep. around the back, okay? But my dream, okay. um, you know, for, for a house uh, or for where we live is, is something along these lines, you know, where um, close, this is Campbell Parade in Bondi. Um, this is one of the um, penthouses that just sold recently for, it was $24 million. So, um yeah, well, we hope to get there one day. But uh, look, we're heading in the right direction and kicking some goals now. So, um, you know, that's that's important. Yeah, fantastic. This is great. I love that curve on that roof. That was great. And my favourite wealth building uh, strategy is property development. <laughs> that's it. Build it and profit, right? Yeah. It's simple. Um, if many people get into property to be able to make money, right? This is why we try to do it. And then we all spend time doing the small strategies where we think we'll just do it on our own. We don't really need anyone's help. We'll figure it out as we go through. Yet the time wasted and the years and years wasted on portfolios that you look back on and you go, I've got some rent coming in here, but these I've got a, annoying tenants and I've got all this um, maintenance to do and, you know, and I, I didn't, I did that on my own. So that's why it's leaking. And I did this, like, it's really that's a hard way to do it. Um, property can be very rewarding and we can yeah. have multiple, multiple amounts of property, but property development does give that extra edge where you can create quality products, but you don't have to spend so much time on. And if you learn how to profit while you're doing it, it's just so rewarding, right? Yeah. And it's fun. Like it's, it's get up in the morning, you're creating stuff. It's, it's awesome. It's a really good um, industry to be in. 
And the other thing, if you want to go from the other side of point of view, is you're creating brand new homes for people. So not only giving them an emotional thing, but we had to think about the other day. I think we've done at least 200 homes for people. Wow. When when we have a look at it, I'm thinking, because and this came out of my child saying to me, Yep. Daddy, how many how many families have how many families are you know like us are, are living in new houses like this or you know what's a family that's living in that one and you know how how many homes have we built for for families and I'm like oh I never thought about that because <laughs> I'm just oh, thinking that's about that's awesome. the product you know <laughs> um, and he goes oh and it's always whenever we sell something that oh, who, who moved in there Daddy. Oh, that's great. You know, and then so she's so interested already now. And the one thing I'll leave you with here is she said this to me one day. I I can't remember how it came about. It's kind of like a running joke with with her and and me is that she's five years old. And I go, she goes, Daddy, you don't build one house, you build two. (laughs) So uh, she says, you build two and then you sell one and then you make some money. And so this this is like what she always she could already see that that strategy is is working by yeah. you, you need the skill to be able to do it. Once you get the skill, you can build two, sell one, make some money, move on. <laughs> so simple, right? I love so she, it. That's and she's like, that's what I'm going to do. And now, like, and then you'll see, like, they'll create little things and she's even doing it now. Like, she'll have two homes. Go, I'm going to sell that one. And <laughs> she draws stuff. And I'm like, is this good? I don't know. She still does other stuff as well, but it's using that, that now is mindset in her head that if you create something and then you sell it, then you can also keep one or you can sell one down, you know, so that's pretty cool. And that's great, you know, instilling those values in your kids. It's just awesome, you know, sets them up for life. And And she can see the people that we help when we're on stage as well and helping people. That's what she says. Like I say, I'm going, I'm I'm going to go to a conference or I'm going on a strategy call with someone or I'm I'm doing an online webinar. And that's what I tell her I'm doing. Immediately her response back is, are you helping people today? Oh, I'm like, great. Yeah, I think, you, yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, you're teaching yeah, people. I'm like, awesome. well, I'm not a teacher, but oh, I suppose I am a teacher. Yes, I'm teaching people. Goes, oh, that's good. I like that, Dad. You know, I'll let, and she goes, I'll look, give you permission to go do that instead of play with me for an hour, you know. So, um, yeah, you've got to see things, I think, from the child's point of view, really. Yeah, yeah. And it's not about the profit margins so much that people should be focusing on. It should be about who's the person that is going to make that happen. Yeah, yeah. And do they feel confident that this person is looking at looking at the proof of that this that this product will work? And that's one thing I'm seeing very much now when people want to be investors. They've got to look at behind the person behind it, yeah. not just about the the oh fifty percent profit margin or we're going to make million dollars or whatever. This is what's predicted. It can only happen unless that person can be trusted. So look yes. at the person and examine that in that in that person that is developing the property and see you know the traits that they have. So coming back to that then, what traits do you feel now that you have developed that you can uh, approach to developers uh, to approach as a developer to investors? Yeah, good uh, good question, Jason. I think for me, um, number one internally is is confidence um, to be able to um, be able to talk the talk. Uh, and I think a lot of people now, particularly when it comes to investment, are very savvy. You know, they they know the questions to ask and they can sense that. You know, we've all had an experience where you just know someone's not right, you know, and I feel like I've got that level of confidence now where I can have confidence in myself and deliver that, but also the skill. And I think it's it's the, 
you're not tested until you have those challenges put in front of you and then you can make an assessment on whether or not you did that well. And I think I've learned to be able to assess my decision-making and then to be able to reassess if I didn't make the right decision, you know, how to correct that for next time. And I think it's that. Yeah, and I think a good skill, a skill that I've picked up on here just listening to you is you're very good at picking the right teams now. Yes, yeah. The people, the relation that you've got the business behind you as well, where you've used to build, I mean, obviously in your own business, you're used to providing a service to the public. You're not just an employee. You're actually are there providing a service to the public. So you've already got that background in business, which I think is a good trade as a developer. I'm not saying you have to do that, yeah. but that's just a strength that you have. Yeah. The, the, and and so I think, and the next thing is your age. Yeah. I mean, you're not looking for the next shiny thing here. Um, you're in a relationship, so you're steady. I don't think yep. you, you – I, 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 um, we haven't gone into if you've got kids or family or any other things going on, but I think that you, whatever you – in situation, age also brings together a confidence where people yep. can be happy to invest with you because you're not going to be running away having a crisis tomorrow. Yeah, And already by the mindset that we've worked together to instill in you, that's where the confidence can happen from an investor coming and investing with you. Yeah, good point. And that's sometimes I think we've got to say my age is my best benefit. My yeah. previous business business and my current business that I have is my benefit there. I know how to produce. I know how to go through a tough time. I know how to do this. This is what I've personally done here. This is how I accomplishment. Yeah. Um, a, 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 what the accomplishment out of it was. So um, I think those type of things are really going to make your company now very strong in, in the investor market as well, because that's what we have to do as businesses. Yeah. We have to nail it and figure out how to do it. But then to grow, it is a great journey when you start doing joint ventures with people because you're building, doing exactly what you're doing now, yeah. but you're actually helping that investor get a good return as well by using your skills. And that relationship together has been the most rewarding thing of my whole development journey. And I'm yeah. sure it will be for you as well. I want people to be able to check you out and follow your journey that. So there it is there, Woodstone. Developments, oh, okay. Yeah. So, what are you on? Are you on any other social media? Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook, and uh, I've got a website, woodstonedevelopments.com.au. And if anyone wants to get in contact with me, um, my email address is just brand at woodstonedevelopments.com.au. Yeah, and and uh, happy to have a chat. Thanks for being so honest and open with us and sharing your whole story with us. And um, I'm sure people get massive value out of hearing, you know, the different journeys and what you can accomplish. But this is why we do this. We wanted to prove to people out there that with a bit of guidance, with the right strategy, right skill, the right mindset, the right acceptance to be able to say, hey, extreme ownership, this is where this is what I'm going to be doing, that it, it is possible and that you shouldn't be worried about it. All you need to do is start. You need to start getting the right education, start finding the right people to follow, um, and then, and then, you know, change your life. Well said. That's really well said, Jason. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I, think, well, uh, I mean, I, I can't, I just can't say anything in addition to that because, I mean, I've followed your model, you know, and um, I followed you guys uh, for months and, you know, I checked you out and it ticked every box, you know, it was just great, you know, and I, I, I just can't uh, thank you guys enough. I can't believe I'm sitting here, you know, talking to my mentor um, you know, that development, you know, so it's, it's great, you know, living the dream. <laughs> yeah. And it's a great reward for us. I mean, people say, well, you've made it now, you know, why do you teach people and go, well, go through all that journey and all that type of stuff? I'm like, 
well, it's one of it's on the top of my list, you know, yeah. seeing other people be able to help out with this because I, I didn't start here on my own. I just got the yeah. education, got the mentors on board. Now I'm able to pass that on. So, yeah, I'd just like to say thanks thanks to you guys. I mean, if anything here, I love the fact now I've got all these people that uh, are doing exactly what I'm doing so I can have great conversations and great fun with them. There's nothing better than having a group of people that are focused and experienced. So thanks very much for sharing that with me. Pleasure. Thank you, Jason. Thank you so much. See you, Grant. Bye. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye.